Cuando se aprenden las luces de la calle, los quiero en casa. When the streetlights come on, I want you home, is what their mother told them. But Louis and Gabby weren't exactly the type of kids that listened. Anna, their mother, was a little on the superstitious side and worried about what would happen to them if they stayed out too late. Eventually, the streetlights came on, but Louis and Gabby continued playing. They decided to ride their bikes around the block to avoid getting brought in by their mother. It was late, but the urge of defiance was great. From a distance, they could see a figure sitting on the bench at a bus stop on the corner. As Louis and Gabby got closer, they could make out that it was a woman in a white dress. She had long, beautiful black hair, and from what they can see, pale skin. As they came to the corner, they can hear her weeping. In between sobs, the woman said, Mis hijos, ay, mis hijos. She cried with such pain that Louis and Gabby couldn't help but stop as they rounded the corner near the bus stop. Louis propped up his bike with the accompanied kickstand and took a couple of paces towards the woman. Gabby warned him, No, Louis, let's go home. But he responded, Hold on. The woman turned to look at Louis and Gabby, her face dark under her hair. Louis squinted into her face, only to realize that there was no face, just a pure, deep darkness, just black. A howling cry came from within the head of hair sitting on the bench. She rose and floated towards Louis as she reached out for him. Louis jumped back. The little boy made a running grab for his bike, kicked up the metal stand, and jumped on the bike, which was already in motion. Having never gotten off her bike, Gabby was already down the street and turning down an alley. They couldn't go back the way they came with that thing behind them. The fastest way home was to go around. It was through the alley. With Lewis's pedaling, powered by fear, he quickly caught up to his sister as they turned the corner into the alley. The woman screamed, Mis hijos. They couldn't go into the house the back way. You could only open the back gate from the inside. They had to go all the way around to the front of the house. As they sped by the back of their home, Lewis and Gabby wished they had obeyed their mother. The two bikes rolled to the front of the house, only to eventually fall over, with no owners to hold them upright. You see, the creature that was chasing Louis and Gabby was La Llorona, and she claimed the two children as her own. And Louis and Gabby were never seen again.
What's up, familia? How you guys doing? Happy Halloween. Happy Day of the Dead. Feliz Dia de los Muertos. This is Edgar Otra Vez. And welcome to another episode of the Floro Podcast. Now, this month I've been doing nothing but like episodes for Halloween. And today being the last of the episodes for this Halloween series, which I'm calling Halloween Flow 2020, is a very special episode. The topic of this episode is a subject that I've kind of uh, always heard growing up. It's a, it's a Mexican folktale, and uh, I can't wait to get into this. Uh, today, my co-host, cohort, accomplice is my brother Pete, otra vez, if you will. And uh, Pete is, is uh, quite the scholar. He uh, has a master's in literature and English, and he's super smart dude, way smarter than me. I uh, can't believe we came from the same gene pool. Uh, but hope you enjoy this one. If you want to support the podcast, head on over to shop.theflowrollpodcast.com. Now here's the show. Um, welcome to another episode of the Flow Road Podcast. Uh, this is your host, Edgar Otra Vez. And uh, today we have a special guest. Uh, my special guest is a bit of a uh, literary scholar. He's studying to, uh, to get his PhD. It's my, uh, my brother, Pete Otra Vez. <laughs> uh, hey, Pete, what's up, man? How's it going, Edgar? It's going. So um, today we're going to be talking about um, La Llorona. Uh, it's a folktale, and uh, we're about to get... Uh, super deep into this we're going to talk about uh, origins and uh, other some of the things that we kind of uh, came across in our research for this so uh, where do you want to get started well i i think we should we should start with the telling of it i mean it is it was halloween is approaching i think it's the best way to to kind of get this Let's present some text, man. I'm a literary person. Let's put some text out there and then we could talk about it. All right, cool. Um, so do you want to tell one and then I can tell another version or do you just want to tell one? Because one of the other things I wanted to do too is uh, kind of like do a product productive version of this, like, you know, put voice to it and maybe get an actress and go like, you know, and all that shit, you know? Um, but I mean, why don't you go ahead and tell tell like a version? I think you should tell your version. Okay, I will tell my version then. I will go first. Um, I don't have. I don't really have a version. The version I have is the one that you told me growing up. There are quite a few versions of this story, and uh, it has a lot to do with like I mean, and as you know, um, when it comes to especially storytelling, as the tale makes its rounds through people, cultures, etc. It kind of changes a little bit, right? Um, but always the more kind of impactful pieces of the story always kind of makes it through each telling of it. Go, yeah? Question, and this yeah. is, you can edit, so I'm putting yeah. that bookmark for you. Could I talk about like something that we that's like been recently released, like the Haunting of Blind Manor essentially is a new Netflix show and it basically like, is a Yorona story. No way, really? Yeah, it's essentially a Yorona story. I did not know that shit. Yeah. Yeah. It's, 
it's not that good of a show, but we can we could talk about like its relevance and it's like Netflix is like kind of October like horror theme mm. show that they put out this this seat this year and it was essentially a telling of it. Well, like there's quite a again not just in that show but in popular culture because I sent you a, a few links of of movies and shows that actually did versions of La Llorona. And uh, we'll we'll get to that in a second. But here, like, yeah. let me tell a version of the story. Um, many, many years ago, during the invention of the Americas, Maria, young, beautiful, and full of life, fell head over heels for a Spaniard. Maria was golden-skinned, kissed by the sun. He was blessed with wealth. Despite the differences in their skin and opposing social forces, they would marry and have two children. These two children were the pride and joy of the Spaniard. He loved them as much as he did Maria, maybe even more. Maybe it was the social pressure that forced him to leave. Perhaps he lost interest in Maria. Either way, he left her and married another woman deemed worthy of his stature. He married another woman who was of noble Spanish blood. When Maria heard that her husband was now with another woman, she became consumed with wrath. Blinded by her anger, Maria dragged her two children to a nearby river and drowned them. Once she awoke from her rage, Maria realized what she had done. Hypnotized by the unbearable sorrow, she began to wander the river. Some say she never stopped. They say the trauma has given her a sort of amnesia. She doesn't remember what happened to her kids. She only knows they are lost to her. They say she haunts the waters looking for her children. If you should ever encounter Maria, or as we know her today, La Llorona, do not go near her. She may mistake you for one of her children, or worse yet, her unfaithful husband. So the version that I know around, you know, when it, it, the story always kind of starts with like uh, a, you know, a Spanish nobleman uh, meeting a indigenous woman and they, they fall in love and have a wedding of sorts or marriage. Um, they raise, they, they have two children. In many cases, it's two boys. Um, in some cases, it's a girl and a boy. Uh, as time goes by, the man eventually gets tired of being with the woman or finds himself uh, back in within his noble circles and meets another woman of Spanish noble blood like himself and is kind of 
pushed or convinced to leave the more indigenous woman, usually named Maria. I don't know how that works because, you know, if she's indigenous, she's probably got some other kind of name, but Maria. He leaves Maria to be with this Spanish woman. Um, so there's a little, there's a, there's a hint of, you know, racism there. After he, after the woman finds out that he, she is not only left by the Spanish, her, her Spanish husband, but also that he remarries while still being married to, to her. Uh, she has a, she goes into a fit of rage and kind of temporary insanity almost and drowns her, the two kids because it was kind of a vengeful thing for her to do to get back at her husband for betraying her um, because the kids were his pride and joy. Once, once the kids are dead, she kind of snaps out of the craze that she was in, realizes what she had done, and then uh, goes into a deep sorrow. And as the story goes, she kind of, drowns in her sorrow almost and literally kind of drowns for real and is kind of cursed to kind of walk the rivers looking for her lost children and that curse uh, usually manifests when a kid is found by the water and she mistakens that kid for one of her own and takes the kid and then either meaning like on purpose or not knowing what she's doing drowns the kid in the process and so and that's that's what she is uh, she's generally referred to as the boogie woman of sorts right she's she's a story you tell to the little kids to make sure that they do what you tell them to do and come indoors before it gets too dark. Um, now, there are several versions of this story and several tellings of how she kind of takes her, uh, how she takes her victims and who her marks are. One of the, one of the, so like there are versions of her where she has a horse face. So she's sitting on a on a bench. She'll be kind of minding her own business. And some drunk dude kind of like sees her. And he's like, oh, look at, you know, look at this girl. Right. So he walks up to her and then you know tries to pick up her, tries to pick her up. And when she turns around, bam, horse face. And um, you know, and it's usually a dude who's trying to be who's who's being unfaithful in this in the process, right? So then if this happens, you know, it, 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 there's the other thing too, is this, she's a harbing, harbinger for, uh, of death. So if, if you happen to be this guy and she sees you and she touches you, you're, you're as good as dead. Like you might die right there or you'll die eventually fairly soon. Um, the other other stories of her depiction are she has white hair um, 
or that she has black hair, always really, really long, very uh, Juan or grudge-like. Um, she, there are times where they see her and she has no face. She's got, or she's a, you know, a beautiful woman in one, at one point and then this horrible old lady with wooden teeth, another. So there are several versions of how she may appear to people. Um, and the other, and, and also what she may be wearing, but usually she's wearing white, um, but another time she's wearing black. So there are several versions of this. Uh, some of these versions of the stories I've come across, I've come across in my reading just in general, um, but uh, uh, quite a few of these are, are from, that, from those stories that, um, that I picked up from the, what is it called? The Mexican Ghost Tales of the Southwest uh, by Alfred Avila. So a good portion of these stories I got from there. Uh, but there are other versions that are not in there that I that I saw. But uh, she's um, she's quite the you know she's she's pretty fucking scary, man. Like <laughs> you know, like uh, just uh, talking about it kind of gives me the chills a little bit. But uh, well, what do you what do you think? Like uh, what uh, what what versions have you you heard? I mean, those are the, those are the versions uh, I know. Edgar. Uh, so for those of you listening, Edgar is substantially older. Uh, he's essentially on his deathbed. Substantially? Chill. Substantially. He's uh, <laughs> really, I'm doing this because uh, I'm, this really, we're at his deathbed right now. And oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, but it, there's enough age difference where you're telling me these stories. These are, these are pretty much the ones we know. The only one I would kind of throw in there to kind of maybe begin to like complicate things because I, I like I don't like like easy stories uh for any reason <laughs> but there's a like a Chicana feminist version out there uh written by uh Gloria Anzaldúa who is like a, kind of a prominent thinker uh in like the Latino world like Latino thought world and uh, it's called the uh, Prietita and La Llorona oh I've 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 read that book it's a children's book it's a children's book, uh, but it's, and it's also like bilingual. Yeah. Uh, in like a time where like bilingual texts are not really like a thing, right? Like mm -hmm. I think it's in like the nineties, like early nineties. And that's like kind of, kind of a baller move to like publish this thing bilingually. Um, well, I mean, I don't know if it was such a baller move. I mean, Sandra Cisneros was doing, was doing that kind of shit for, for years, yeah. you know, way yeah. before that book. So uh, uh, if, if we're, if we're going to say someone's baller, you know, we're, we're going to have to give oh, props. You're going to have to give props to Sandra Cisneros, uh, uh, Gary Soto. Uh, yeah. So Anzaldua, yeah. Anzaldua writes that and it's, um, Yorona is not scary in that one at all. She like helps Tiatita find like medicinal herbs in like the borderlands. Like it's like clearly like set in the southwest of some sort. Mm -hmm. uh, it's like cross a border essentially. It's just like cross through a fence uh, to like find these medicinal herbs for her her like dying aunt. I think um, she sees like a curandera who like helps her uh, and La Llorona like a, like helps her out. Uh, she's like I got you, girl, uh, and helps her find these these medicines that she needs, which. She find like that's a cool telling of it mm -hmm. right because it's um 
I mean, I think Anzaldúa is doing a few things. She's trying to cut across like what she perceives to be like sexism in like the story, right? So she's trying to cut across that. Uh, the Petita part is like super important, right? Like the like kind of the indigenous heritage, right? That we're like talking about, like she's trying to claim that. That's why she's like the main character. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's all about like these herbs. She has to like cross this border. So this is all like, these are all metaphors in Anzaldúa's work that is like super important. Um, but. Yeah, I um, I like what she's doing there. Don't get me wrong. Um, but the the issue too is just like, okay, so these stories... Um, she's she's trying to take a story that's kind of been, you know, that, that that's, you know, in some ways sexist, right? Because um, not only does the woman get punished, right, uh, but the the man in the story, or, you know, originally the woman gets punished because now she's a ghost and she has to wander the rivers forever. But but then the man not only kind of gets away with it, but starts a new life with some other woman. And so it's um, it's it, while she's being cursed, like the dude, the dude did bad too, right? Like yeah, like what the fuck, <laughs> yeah. But um, I I understand, I understand her wanting to do that, um, and and props for her doing that. The only thing is, is that um, the story comes from a point uh, in history or a point in in, in our. In, in culture where the perceptions forged that that's that story right that telling so um it, it, they're uh, telling the story in such a way in 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 that kind of way kind of uh, gives you a look into the past and, and the you know the perceptions of some people right uh because even though the story depicts the man in a bad light, he's not really punished. No. He's almost, he's almost kind of, he's, he almost kind of gains something out of this, right? Because he gets a new wife, a new wife of noble stature, you know? Of Yeah. I mean, I would also like add to that point too, is that like, the world is cursed with like the greatest terror uh, of like Latin culture because a man makes a mistake and is unfaithful to his, like, you know, like this idea that she like, like anyone's children now, like everyone's children is our our danger because one man at one point um, made a mistake, right? Like Mm -hmm. like, very much a, a, important like colonial perception that like right men of noble stature like when they make a mistake it's a it's it's the institutions around him that fall apart uh oh that's a great perspective i didn't think about that yeah so like he makes this mistake he cheats on his wife uh and so now like any child might be pulled into the river yeah Uh, and so it's it that's very much in line with that kind of idea right um that's fantastic i mean that's a that's a great idea right i mean it's it's uh yeah he got away with it kind of right but he punished everybody else you know um uh, and possibly also unfaithful men because part of part of what she does is she doesn't always take you know and this is the thing too she never kind of harms another woman 
There's never stories of her harming another woman. She either takes kids or, or messes up dudes, you know, but she's like a harbinger of death. If you see her, it's, it's not good. It's not good for yeah. you. You know, you're going, you're going to die. You're going to die. Uh, yeah. Especially if she touches you because she's got some kind of like death touch thing, you know, not Kung Fu style, but kind of like, you know, she touches you. It's a cold marking and, and you're, you're going to die. But, um, one of the more interesting things that I don't know if you had time to watch, but the Curse of La Llorona, um, the movie um, I, I mentioned to you in our research, uh, which is part of the, um, whatchamacallit? Um, the Conjuring. The thing. Conjuring series, yes. And uh, that, that story added a few things to the the story things that were not there things that i don't ever think were there but was kind of interesting because you can almost kind of get away with adding them you know it almost kind of you know you can almost say that it expands the mythology just a little bit because they the way they kind of inserted these things i know that it's not there because i know the story but you can almost you can almost convince me that they they are part of the story and the couple of things that 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 movie added was uh, if she touches you, if she touches you, you're marked and eventually she's going to take you. So it, the touching of, of, of people is the curse and she'll leave a, a mark on your hand, on your arm or wherever she touches you. So that means that eventually she's going to take you uh, and there's no kind of escaping that. You have to, you, like, you can do your best to exercise her, um, but who knows if it works. It's inevitable. Now, yeah, it's inevitable. Um, now, that is not part of the story, but you can almost kind of tell me, you can almost convince me that it is because the, like, uh, the, the whole part of her touching people has always been a, a bad deal. Like, you're going to, you're going to end up, you're going to end up dead, but it was always considered um, uh, a, a sentence, not because she was marking you. It was because she's, she's almost like, she almost acts like death herself, you know, like itself, yeah. like she's there to kind of take souls almost. Right. And bad ones at that. Um, so that's something that happened in the movie. I encourage you to, I mean, if you have time, I encourage you to watch it. I enjoyed it a lot and it scared the crap out of me. There was quite a few jump scares. Uh, which is kind of lame, you know? Yeah, I don't love jump scares. Those, I have to say, like, those are my least favorite. I, this is a side note here. Yeah. <laughs> a scary movie that does not, that leans into jump scares, just don't scare me. And that's like, I, I am, I would, so like my favorite scary movie, and it gets me every time is The Shining, because it's this man, I mean, we'll talk about this on, like, kind of maybe on a flip, if we want to talk about that. It's a man who goes insane and decides he wants to kill his family. Yeah. So like that to me is like, cause that's real. Like that's like in people's heads. Like the solitude is like. There, um, there are versions of, of La Llorona that is called El Llorón. And yeah. it is the kind of gender swap version of La Llorona. But nobody for whatever reason seems to care about that guy. 
<laughs> I don't know why nobody ever feels bad for the El Lloron. And it might be just because, you know, men are supposed to be macho and they're not supposed to cry or something. I don't know. Is this such yeah, a- I, I, I think that's a big part. I mean, stoicism is such a part of like Latin culture, right? Like the expressionless, emotionless. Yeah. And is uh, such an important archetype, right? For us understanding culture. It's a, yeah, absolutely. I think um, that guy gets no sympathy. El Lloron is not like, is not believable. Like, <laughs> like, are you kidding me? Lloron? No, that's not. Yeah. No, um, especially, especially if you call someone El Lloron, it, it's not, it's not scary. Calling someone El Lloron is calling someone a wimp, you know? It's yeah, like, that's true. Yeah, so it's not, you know, it's just like, oh, here comes El Lloron. Oh, whatever, El Lloron, right? You know, this guy. You know, stop crying. I know you're dead, but Jesus, you know, yeah, <laughs> like this no, yeah, you're right. There's a there's a whiny, um, yes, that word, right? Like whiny, crybaby um, kind of attitude. It's not a man. Yeah, but I mean, that can also mean like La Llorona can also mean that it can also be whiny, right? But it, for whatever reason, it doesn't it doesn't really kind of come across that way. Because men are not supposed to cry. Women are allowed to cry, but men, no. Yeah. So, you know, that's that question too, is like, okay, so like how much of it is our embedded thinking around the story already, right? Because I hear La Llorona, and I almost even before the literal meaning of that word, I am thinking about that story already, right? Like I'm always making that, like if someone said Llorona and wrote that in a sentence, not context of the story, I am still, give me one second. Um... So um, la, I don't know what I was saying anymore. You were uh, saying, uh, oh, but but even like con- no context with the story. If it's just like the adjective form of that word, I'm still thinking of like Dorona. I'm still thinking of that that word. Uh, yeah. and that's pretty tight tied to it. I think that's just part of also how um, for anyone who's listening to this that has no context for it, that's how deeply that story is tied, right? Uh, yeah. In Latin culture, it's it's all the time, um, and it's like that in El Cucuy were meant to like scare the crap out of you and make you behave, right? Yeah. So, because she also, I mean, if we're talking about children. She's meant to take misbehaving children, uh, right? For the most part, or like children who like kind of wandered off, because that's uh, the implication that you kind of that's that's by yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're by yourself. You're not in the protection of your family in any moment she can claim you she um in in terms of of um that is one of the ways that she will take children it's not the only way that i've heard that she'll take children she'll take good kids you know but yes part of that um her taking the kids are usually when they're by this by themselves now Another story, again, in the in the book that I mentioned before, uh, the uh, Mexican Ghost Tales of the Southwest, there is a story there called uh, La Llorona of the Moon. Yeah, I think I remember you reading me this one, actually. Yeah. She and teeth, she's an old woman. I don't remember that, what depiction they use. And for, she, but she only exists in moonlight. Like she it, only, yeah. yeah, she only existed in moonlight and she... And I can't remember who she went after, but she went into someone's house. Yeah, he's a misbehaving kid, I think. I think he is. 
And so she's like there to claim him. And like, as soon as the moon like touches him, she gets to claim him. And the next morning when she, like, cause she fails, like the moon moves and never touches him eventually. And like, the, like, it's just, he's like cornered. Yeah. I think is the telling of it. He gets cornered and she's like standing there almost like breathing on him. And then yeah. the next day comes, we hear the rooster. She has to go home. She never gets to claim him. And then he behaves like, he gets he gets his house in order uh and he's like my dad i'm so sorry yeah uh, yeah yeah that's that's exactly it it was it was i can't remember i'm sure he was a misbehaving kid but in that particular story she went after someone in their house not necessarily yeah. out and by himself but he was by himself just in his house you know he was in his own room um that one was uh i remember reading that and thinking wow you know the tension right and it's such a it's silly because it's a you know it's a kid's tale right it's 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 like i don't know two pages long you know yeah and, and i remember thinking this is fantastic you know oh yeah. i mean not for the kid but just in general well it, all horror stories need that though they need something to build tension it can seem slow but that you gotta you have to have that building right and so like in this case it's the smooth through the window, slowly like claiming all of the space in this kid's room. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, I, in the traditional telling, it would be like the ominous hearing of like, oh, nice time like in the distance, right? Yeah. That one, uh, that's like the ominous, like tension building. You hear this, you're, it's unfamiliar. You know, do you walk towards it or not? So um, in the... In the telling of, I don't know if you got a chance to listen to that podcast I sent you. Um, there's a few of them actually that tell the story, but uh, the La Llorona um, original podcast series uh, produced, I think, by Univision is in somehow connect, is somehow connected to the Curse of La Llorona movie, right? And uh, in that, in, in their kind of dis- description of who La Llorona is they had brought in kind of professionals and then also brought in real life accounts of encounters with La Llorona and I don't know if you got to listen to any of it I did not um so uh it I thought it was good like I enjoyed the podcast in general and they had these they had like a a kind of like a literary feminist scholar talk at the at like in the last episode and some of it was, you know, I don't know, um, interesting. Um, and but I've already heard kind of this the spiel that she she that she talked about. Um, uh, but also um, in terms of like how to defend against La Llorona, uh, that was interesting because like if you're gonna take it seriously and she's haunting you, you're supposed to tell her go with love. You know, we love you. Don't no, we don't want you here though. <laughs> you know, this is like we love you, but we just don't don't come here. Go with peace. Go to the other side. And I, and all I could think about is is like if that shit really worked, she would already be on the other side. You know, <laughs> like she wouldn't be still haunting the shit out of people. But um, that was like what a curandera or curandero. I think it was a curandera talking about how they would handle it now my favorite story in that in that podcast series 
um, because there were Latinos and Mexican Americans and and actual white people that talked about being haunted by La Llorona in real life, you know. And one guy was talking about La Llorona, and he was like, <laughs> "I and I'm and I'm." I'm going to try to kind of, I should have listened to it again, just so I could get the words that he used. But he was like, I don't know why she's chasing after me. I'm not part of her story. And to me, that sounded like, look, I'm white. You're Mexican. Why the fuck are you haunting me? You should be haunting Mexicans. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, like, dude, come on, man. Like, you know, she's a ghost. She don't give a fuck. You know, she don't give a yeah. fuck who you are. You know, she's gonna haunt your ass. So, um, I I kind of if I could just like kind of read into that line too a little bit that perception is just like I know everything else in your life is nice and segregated, motherfucker, but she ain't like she don't <laughs> you don't know as fully integrated. That, you know, like she's fully integrated. She believes in coming after your ass too. Like, uh, oh, my favorite part is that like there was like one dude who was talking about her. And she, he said that she, he, that she spoke English and he was surprised. I'm like, bitch, like, what do you think? You think that, that, you know, people can't learn how to speak English? Like, you think it's so hard? You know, like, of course she can speak English. She's bilingual, man. She got people here. She probably speaks French too. Well, pre presumably she's trilingual at the very least, right? In this case, right? Because the, the, the initial story, she's bilingual. She's indigenous. Yes. She she falls in love and has a has a relationship with a Spanish noble. She knows two languages at the very least, like one of the many indigenous languages in Mexico and Spanish. So if you know, yeah, you know, she's taking Inglesi Mandera or si Fronteras or whatever it is that like is the I can't remember what it's called. Or or you know, in her travels, you know, she's 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 going after Mexicans and Mexicans are in the United States. Yeah, you know you know how is she going to lure these these kids to a body of water if if they don't understand her right some of these kids you know some parents they don't do the best job teaching the kids stuff you know or they're you know just, they have a tough life and so they don't speak they don't these kids don't speak spanish how is she going to lure little mexican kids that don't speak spanish to the water if she doesn't speak english yeah i also think this is a good time to transition about uh, a little bit La Llorona is kind of an archetype, though. Like she, so she's maybe the most frequently told version, right? Because she's so important to Latin American folk telling, folk folk tales. But I mean, I think, and this is something that's drawn out of what's the name of that that show? Supernatural. Supernatural yeah, um, and they spin it a little bit. I don't know if they mentioned La Llorona, but it's a woman in white, right? This idea of a mournful, like lover who's been wronged, or maybe it has to do with a mother. I forget the exact mechanisms that they laid out, but it's an archetype, right? It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a woman who's been wronged in some kind of way and then proceeds to haunt. Um, so La Llorona, like, yeah, that's like the probably the most frequent, like, like the celebrity of this story. But like the woman in white is, I think a bunch of cultures have that. Um, yes, there are a few versions of La Llorona. Now, the and, and, and just to kind of um, to your point with the Supernatural episode, that episode 
was like the the pilot episode. It was the first episode of the first season, and they and they referred to a woman, a Mexican woman, um, as a woman in white, and the woman in white is is La Llorona, and they referred to a woman in white as a phenomenon. So when certain conditions are met, you produce a woman in white. And I think I, I and, and again, I don't remember what the conditions were, but I believe the conditions are she's wronged, unfaithful man, she kills her kids, she's cursed, right? Uh, the killing of the kids kind of put her in that cursed position where she's now haunting. And so those conditions are produces a woman in white. Now, there are several different versions of a woman in white. We actually have a woman in white here in Chicago, the uh, the Resurrection Mary ghost. Um, yeah, and that's um, that's the haunted hitchhiker. That's the haunted hitchhiker. But I mean, she's not really wronged, right? She she doesn't get to. I mean, I think if I remember correctly, Mary was supposed to go to prom or homecoming or one of those things, mm-hmm. one of those celebrations, and. She dies in a car accident, if I remember correctly. Yes. And then she, her, her ghost haunts the path to her high school outside Resurrection Cemetery, right? With Resurrection Mary. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, if you drive around and you see a girl in like a prom dress, essentially, right? Uh, she asks you for a ride to the, to the dance. And you, when you drop her off, she, you, she disappears, right? Uh, yeah. Um... They have a really good telling in another podcast. I think it's the the Myths and Legends podcast. No, it's not. It's um, I'll come to me. But there's another podcast that tells the story of Resurrection Mary, and they break it down. It's an amazing podcast because they break it down and they talk about who Resurrection Resurrection Mary could be, and where like the like how they kind of. And they never really nail it down. Like they tried their best to kind of like pin it down to an actual person that lived in life. Yeah. And and uh, they went through a, f- a few different lists and no, nobody seems to kind of know who Mary is. Um, so one of the things, and, and um, the only reason I bring up uh, Resurrection Mary is because although she, the, the, the telling of her story doesn't ha- doesn't match the conditions to, become a la llorona um the 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 what comes of it the type of ghost she is is very similar yeah in terms of what la llorona is because la llorona in in some depictions is also a haunted hitchhiker you know she's also a hitchhiker she's she'll appear to people she'll jump in their carriage or in their car and then midway through disappear and then something bad happens to you or something, or she, or she foretells something crazy and something crazy, that crazy thing actually happens to you. So um, those those pieces of it have also been associated with who La Llorona is. Yeah. Uh, um, but um, in terms of her being a phenomenon, I, I've, or her being part of the uh, Llorona phenomenon, I, I think, I think who Resurrection Mary really is, is um, I can't remember the term for it, but, uh, and I can't take credit for this either, but uh, uh, it, it's in that other podcast. I'll, I'll look it up in a minute, but uh, she might be one of these 
ideas that because so many people believe in it become reality. Do you know what I'm talking about? No. I I, I do not know this particular concept. Yeah, there's a there's a is she a social contract? Because I mean, if we're talking about like the academic world, which is where I'm from, right? Like we've like built her up. No, she's not a social contract uh, construct. She's she's actually uh, she's an idea that becomes reality. Yeah. Because of so many people believing in her, so she yeah. so she she's fiction, but because you believe in her, she becomes a real person. <laughs> and so that is one of the theories that was kind of posed in that podcast but uh here let me let me look that I'll take, up i'll take a look i'll take a listen to that at some point yeah no it's it's a man these i love these guys too and i can't remember their names but you know um the there's a new netflix show um new season out i it's a continuation of the haunting of something of hill house it was the first season, and uh, this season they released uh, Haunting of Bly Manor. It's actually uh, based off of a Henry James story called Turn of the Screw. It's a, it's a ghost story. Uh, I, I, I haven't read it. I'm not a big fan of Henry James. So for anyone who's like literary and listening to this, yeah, fuck Henry James. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, oh, the name of the podcast is Astonishing Legends. And, uh, okay, I'll take a listen to that. And Haunting of Blaine Manor has this story. You know, I, that's not the most perfect show. I don't know if we need to review that show in particular. I, I, I have a few issues with it. Um, maybe I can come back another time and talk about that in more detail. But um, it, it's, a, it's a woman in white. It's a Yorona story. Mm-hmm. It's, it's anchored in a house and like the property associated with the house. It's kind of like a I mean, it's Bly Manor. Right? It's a British manor estate of some sort. Uh, and the story goes back to like a long time ago, like, you know, lords and ladies are, you know, it's important that they, women can't own property on their own. They need to do it through like a husband and whatnot and guys yeah. and this kind of strategic smart brilliant woman is able to find the right like patsy husband to marry and but she does fall in love with him and they have a child and then the sister betrays her and she dies she gets um tuberculosis and she dies uh and then as she dies um like her revenge because she gets betrayed by her sister in all these ways like her revenge is what like anchors her spirit in the place and like every, and so if you haven't listened to this, don't, you know, maybe don't, you know, the spoilers here, right. But like everyone who ever comes in contact with her ghost and like dies is a reason for like coming, like their spirit is anchored in that place, like forever. Um, so it's like this gravitational phenomenon, actually it's, it's that part is cool. Uh, I found like that, that storytelling. But it's because of a child, right? And she's always looking for a child. And she like picks up random children and brings them into the lake with her. Jesus. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. And every time you see her, it's like terrifying. And the moment you step in front of her, her hand comes out and she, she'll strangle you to death. And then just walk around with your corpse and drag you into the lake. 
Jesus Christ. Yeah, it's 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 cool. It's it, that part of the storytelling is is cool. Uh, so yeah. The um oh one of the other aspects that I I failed to to uh, bring in from the Curse of La Llorona is the there was there was a tree that was the only other witness of La Llorona drowning her kids, and so if uh, you can find crosses made from that tree, and because you make uh, and you can use that cross to kind of banish or kill La Llorona or get rid of her. And I was like, oh, that's neat. Like that's, you know, give me one of them crosses, please. You know, yes, like- I'll take one. Yeah, if we can find them and if someone on Amazon or, you know- eBay. Yeah, two day, two day delivery on that one, please. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I, I found that interesting because there's no, in the telling of La Llorona's story, there's no way to kind of get rid of her. Yeah. But I mean, so I do have to say that of the many things that is interesting to me when you say that is that it needs to be a crucifix. So yeah, yeah, like Christianity has this role in vanquishing this indigenous terror. Um, Ooh. Me is like kind of, um, again, like you talked about at the very beginning, like, yeah, it's the perceptions of the time, right? Um, but this this story is a this movie is a newer movie. This movie yeah. was made 2019 or was released 2019. But it's it's I would say it's coherent, right? Like it's 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 coherent with that era. Yeah. And that and the perceptions surrounding that. Yeah. So and it's like what I mean, what thing could we, we be scared of more than the disruption of the house? Right, like the disruption of the family. The mother is supposed to only give and supposed to only take care of. Yeah. Uh, so, like that is like a kind of a societal fear, right? That like our mothers don't love us. And so, like, what other thing is more terrifying than a mother who kills her children and now is willing to take yours? Yeah. And also, I mean, to kind of go back into like Latin storytelling, right? Like, or kind of Latin perceptions and stereotypes, right? The woman is a mournful figure in the house, right? Like when someone dies in the family, they're supposed to like gnash their teeth and weep and um, in that. And so like La Llorona is such an archetype in that too, right? Um, yeah. Well, the other thing too is, is for children, there is no one who can children do not trust anyone more than their mother yeah so having the mother kill her own children is a giant betrayal right yeah. to just to who children look up to the fa fa <coughs> father leaving for another family not a big deal not a big deal no not, not actually like that's that part <coughs> of our that's a part of our family history actually yeah let's bring that in <laughs> yeah no, like our our grandfather, right? Yeah. Oh, so, yeah. That's a big part of our family history. Very frequent occurrence. Just not just even land culture, but globally, right? Men could walk off, and they just and they do. Yeah. Historically, and this one, big deal. That's not the scary part. That's not the part that's scary. Is that he did that and drove her insane, and she killed her kid. That's what unnerves us. Yeah. Human element that like. And then her, her heart is broken. Well, the other thing too is uh, there's another aspect which was also mentioned in that uh, 
that uh, La Llorona podcast, uh, a lot of the stories, and I don't, I don't know. I, I feel this is forced, you know, but a lot of, a lot of uh, the tellings of the story is the La Llorona is attached to La Malinche. And, and uh, the, the person that she fell in love with, I guess, is uh, historically who? Uh, Hernán Cortés? Yeah, Hernán Cortés was... Yeah. So, so then uh, I guess... Uh, and, and I've heard this version before, too, where La Llorona was La Malinche in real life, and that Hernán Cortés eventually left her, and then she became, you know, La Llorona. Uh, and and I, I I when I hear that story, it kind of like it kind of it, there's something about it that bothers me. And I, I guess it's like she's uh she's because La Malinche is perceived as a treacherous person, right? Yeah. And and it always bothers me because the people who talk about it always seem to be talking of her in such a way where it's like, well, she's the traitor of the Mexican people. I'm like, motherfucker, who do you think made you? You're made by both an indigenous person and a Spanish person. You wouldn't yeah. exist if those two combinations didn't come together. Yeah. She didn't betray you. She's just part of who your history is. So, um, you, you know, I do have to say, this is like, of the things I grew up with, like this is the most smoke in my eye thing. Uh, I like the Malincha story is one that does not bother me that much. Cause, and this is like a historical thing that I'm like deeply interested in the, the, these kinds of narratives and the facts around them. So like, if you think she's a traitor, then you think the Aztecs were the heroes in that story. And then they're the tragic figures. Like, Malinche, so Malinali, right, is her real historical name. She knew the political landscape of the indigenous tribes that the Aztecs were oppressing and handed that information over to Hernán Cortés. So like Hernán does not arrive to Tenochtitlan without Malinali's essentially like acquiring, being like, hey, do you know this tribe? You should get them to join you. They know this terrain. They'll get you through here. Oh, these guys also hate the Aztecs, right? These guys also hate the Aztecs. These people also hate the Mexica. Come and let, let's all, like, let me help you do this. And maybe we can undo, like, the Aztec empire, right? Yeah. So, like, Aztecs were total assholes. Yeah. They were awful. And so, like, and it's it's so funny. That's, like, the national symbol of Mexico. Yeah. It, People who went around like, like ripping the hearts out of people. <laughs> like, they they were they were of warring people. They were, and yeah. this is this is the other part of it that that kind of is hilarious. They were a warrior tribe, right? Yeah. They, but but they were they were fucking they were fucking crazy, man. Because they yeah. want they they would tell each other these stories. They say, you know, if you uh, die in battle. You're going to go to the highest plane of heaven. Yep. There are seven planes of heaven. You go to the highest. And the only other person that, that can go to that highest plane is a woman who dies in childbirth. Yeah. Those are the warriors. And, and she's meant to, well, their, their job is to help the sunset. 
for the rest of eternity, right? Like, I think that's like the role of of women that like their spirit goes and like they get to help set the sun. Like I, they help we shall set and rest. There's there's a this is interesting because there's also uh, I, this is like I think related to the Sitsimime. Yeah. Who are the kind of female star demons, I guess. And they are like the women who died in childbirth. And so women who die in childbirth go and become stars. Yeah. But they, and so that, you know, so they can kind of shine light to the world as you travel in dark. But they also have kind of a dual purpose. a duality to them because in 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 the indigenous lore there was always kind of like a two piece to every character that's yeah and, all of mesoamerica has that aspect where like it's not just like the god of this it's yes. the god of, of sacrificial knives and war yeah <laughs> yeah well it's not- the god it's the goddess of it's like the goddess of childbirth and like pestilence right yes like, Yes. Same, it's like that dynamic happens. Yes, yes. It's it's yeah. there the there's the goddess of 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 good vision and pink eye. You know, like that's <laughs> yeah, that's the fucking that's the goddess that you're gonna get. You're this not gonna there's just total, no, this, yeah, this there's total this is a total caricature of that. I mean, absolutely yeah. yeah, that's a big part of right, like and it's like like Tlaloc, like god of thunder and rain is also yeah. Of like infant infant death, I think as well. Oh Jesus Christ! Yeah, it's like, yeah, it's like the only way to make sacrifice is by killing a child, essentially. Uh, yeah, it's funny. Growing up, I knew a guy who named Dalalok. <laughs> but anyway, like uh, the Sitsimime were like, yeah, there there were these star, you know, entities, right? But they also, uh, I I forgot what the reason was for it, but they can come down and and they become these these fucking demons with fucking skull faces and they'll kill your ass and they come after i think um unfaithful men and they come down in mass like a whole army of stars is just going to come down for the unfaithful men so if you guys are fucking having like an orgy out there in the fucking field or something they're just gonna they're gonna just come down with their skull faces and fucking take you back into space and kill you you know yeah it's like jesus And, and all their fucking all the mythology is like this. And so one of the things that they would tell Aztec warriors is you die in battle, you know, you go to the highest plane of heaven. If you survive and you had a great battle with someone, you want to rip that person's chest out, uh, uh, open yeah. and eat their heart because then you get their energy and you become stronger. Yeah. Like these are the fucking people they were fighting, right? So no wonder yeah. La Maliche is like, you know, she's successful. Yeah, she's like, like no wonder. Yeah, like oh, these guys don't like the Aztecs. Great, like can we help them? Yeah, that's and, what ends up happening. I mean, then they sneeze on them and their allies all die. Yeah, but, but, <laughs> sorry, not the best, uh, not the best plan, right? <laughs> no, but I mean, yeah, it, you know, early biological warfare. Yeah, there's some intentional, some unintentional. It's it's just like we we assume that like there is this, and this is like a thing that like is a bit of like smoke in my eyes is that there's, it's not just a duality though, like it's 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 more, like it's it's like for like, 
mestizo culture, right? Like, especially in Mexico, it's not just ASIC in Spanish. It's like, well, that that is not the full story of like, and this is a whole side thing, like of the Mexican population. Like, what is it? Like one eighth of Mexico can trace its heritage to China because of the Chinese Exclusion Act in the United States. So uh -huh. a bunch of Chinese actually like immigrated to Mexico. So someone who actually looks like they're Asian, it's not, they're not indigenous. They're very likely have some heritage to China, like, like actual China. Yeah. Their slave trade was very present in Veracruz. Like, so it's like, it's not just a Spanish, like indigenous thing. Like it's, it's yeah. these like different sides. And even among the indigenous, it's not like Spanish Aztec. It's like, well, no, there's like a bunch of different, cultures like indigenous cultures in mexico yeah well i mean there's no there's no way that they've traveled from europe and not have african slaves there has to be a a a, a small influence of african slave you know in the in the uh mexican american makeup i mean i've yeah. known guys in in uh in high school who were mexican but yeah. for some reason they had the curliest hair and i'm like yeah. How does that happen? You know, it's especially with a culture that has such straight hair. Usually, you know, it, it, it depends. It depends. You can get it from the Spanish or there, there's also a small percentage of African-American or African uh, people. Yeah. It's just African. Yeah. In, yeah, in, in, in Mexico um, during those early times now, and don't forget the Bering Strait with the, the people who originally crossed the Bering Strait were of Asian descent. So, and those people are the indigenous peoples of the Americas, you know? So, I mean, if you trace, far, you trace us far back enough, one side of us is probably Asian as well, you know? But also, like, we have Spanish blood. We have European blood. But you go far back in that European blood, you go far, far back into the, and you trace through the blood of, of the Spanish, you'll find, you know, uh, people from... Uh, the Mediterranean or, or yeah. Arab blood, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, of course. Yeah. So it's just like, whatever. I, I think it's, uh, you know, and that's the cool thing about the woman in white slash Loyorana relationship, right? It's, it could have come from anywhere, honestly. Like we, we, you could say it's the Malinche, you could try to put it, place it in that. It could have come from anywhere. Like the idea of your mom or a mother out there who is willing to claim their own child, as you say, is such a betrayal and is so unimaginable. It's like so terrifying. That's why the story is so effective. Yeah. Yeah. And and I the other thing that that kind of interests me in the whole telling of it, because La Llorona in this form, in with these pieces, uh, the the betrayal of the husband, uh, the, the death of the children. And yeah. her being cursed as a ghost, those three pieces, those three elements are found throughout the world. Not just, yeah. and not in this just the woman in white kind of scenario. I'm talking about, and I'm not trying to like, like because I mean you can honestly kind of honestly say, okay, well you know, like you're saying, it, you know, the, the the resurrection Mary ghost isn't really La Llorona, you know, you can shoehorn it in there. But it's not really part of the telling. There are actual kind of retellings of La Llorona throughout the world. You yeah. can you can find La Llorona in the Philippines. I'm positive she's in Spain. Like there's 
it's just I have I'm I'm wondering if maybe uh, wherever it it kind of evolved from, it maybe it started in in here in in the Americas, and then because of the Spanish, it, it traveled throughout the world, or maybe it started with the Spanish, or maybe the phenomenon piece that we're talking about is not so much that there's a woman she killed her kids, et cetera, et cetera, but maybe just the phenomenon is the story, right? And that's how it gets, that is why it exists everywhere. Because again, like you're saying, it's so unmanageable, unimaginable. It's, it, it's, it's, and the mother figure is built in our biology to be the person that oh, kids, yeah. kids trust the most. It's, it's kind of almost like, what is the scariest story you can tell? the betrayal of a mother, right? How do you get a mother to betray her kids? The betrayal of the father, right? It's just kind of like, it, it, I just, I, it's easy to see how it could make it a, a way, it make its way around the world. Just not even because it's connected to anybody, just because that is, that is a story that kind of can evolve just from being a human. And so maybe this will be like my kind of, over academic and hoping that we like become a better world, right? Uh, as a society, but like, also I hope there is a day where we like, we don't have the story. Uh, and not because like all the children have behaved and all the men stop leaving. <laughs> and that's not, but that like we stop, like we let go of some of like these patriarchal structures, right? These like misogynies that we have had, right? Cause that's the deep root of this comes from, I mean, this, that's why, like, I come back to, like, Leandro Lua story. She's trying to restore the story. Mm -hmm. Like, no, this is an always nurturing figure. So, like, I, the day I think we, like, resolve some of those issues in our society is probably the day, like, that story becomes less effective, I think. Uh, I think it becomes, like, less scary uh, once we, like, thoroughly let go of our sexisms. So. Yeah, huh. That's, that's, it's just like a it's like a theory I posit there. I, the thesis I'm willing to like have it break, uh, but I'm willing to put that idea out there. The other the other things too that possibly could have influenced this story was uh, there's actual like I like I mentioned before there's the Sisi Mime, there's a there's Siwa Kuato, uh, there's the Siwa Teteo. All these folk, all these kind of stories, these myths come from from indigenous cultures uh, and have kind of pieces of La Llorona puzzle kind of embedded with them, um, and and uh, mostly because they're of that duality. They're both uh, life giver and you know scary monster, you know. Yeah. Uh, so, like, like I said, the Sisi Mime, Siwakwatel, um, she was, I, I think, like the goddess of childbirth and like child death. You know, I, it's I can't remember. Yeah. I can't remember what she was, but like all of these ghosts, all these gods have that kind of piece to it. And so maybe that's where I think I think it's the Siwakwatel. They're the uh, spirits of women who died in childbirth. They are also um, uh, beings that kind of traveled the roads. 
So they're also kind of like women in white, scary traveler, hitchhiker. Resurrection thing. Mary. Resurrection Mary. Yeah. Travel, but, traveling the side of the road, asking for a ride to prom. To prom. <laughs> Back in Mesoamerica. Me Mesoamerican prom. Yes. <laughs> what are you laughing, man? It was a great time. It was a great time, I bet. We skinned, we skinned, a dude, we, we skinned the, you know, we flayed the prom king. Yeah. Right, and the prom queen got to wear his skin. Yeah, and then, uh, yeah, yeah, there's also the penis. For, the, for those of you who, yeah, for those of you who don't fit, actually, I mean, and so just for those of you who think this is like politically correct, there was actual penis bloodletting. <laughs> yes, there was. There was. Mayan cultures were very big into that. And there was a fertility festival slash like harvest festival every year that was to the god Chipitotec, uh, where they skinned someone alive and the priest wore the skin. Oh, shit. Yeah, and they wore the skin until the skin like fell off and rotted. And it was actually supposed to be like a like a metaphor for like a seed germinating, like it loses its shell and it sprouts, right? <laughs> <laughs> Disgusting. But it's uh it's yeah. Yeah, it's it's also um a super good way to get a bacterial infection. Yeah, it's a good way to get MRSA. Uh, also, um, or COVID. Or, well, <laughs> I'm assuming the person you're screaming, uh, you're, you're, you're flaying is uh, screaming his brain out. Oh, Jesus Christ. A lot of so, um, other similar deities that kind of resemble um, the uh, woman in white phenomenon or the kind of uh, Yorona figure in. in either kind of appearance or uh, behavior or kind of story behind her. Uh, there's the, there's an, uh, there's the grudge ghost, the Kiako Saeki, which is uh, an actual kind of- Super cool. It's super cool. That's such a cool version of that storytelling. What do you, what do you mean? The grudge yeah. is such a cool story. Uh, I think it, it, it's based it's based on like actual folktale, but like yeah. they took all these elements and kind of made it modern, I guess. Of course. Yeah. It's a fucking scary ass movie, man. Yeah. Jap uh, Japanese storytelling is pretty. Some of them is pretty terrifying. Uh, it's Japanese only know how to tell a really good story. You know, uh, and maybe that's like not politically correct, but I, I, I love uh, that, that story. I mean, and that, that grudge movie is so great. Uh, the Americanized version is fine, but the original Japanese is like too much almost sometimes. Are you serious? I almost couldn't, I, I couldn't even stand the, the, the American version with Sarah Michelle Geller. Oh, you think? Yeah, we no, we had to we had to put some good old American sugar on that to sweeten it up. It's yeah. <laughs> oh, bro, bro! When I saw that fucking movie, um, yeah, you I, took me as a I, kid. I, I was too young. No, oh, yeah, I was too young to see that, and you took me to see it. I took you. Yeah, I, I was like a freshman in high school, and like you took me, like like dead ass, as the kids would say these days, to go see that movie. Oh, dude, dude! I yeah, that that was like fucked, like in the head for a while. After. <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, you know, it's funny because I um on another podcast I was talking about like all the scary movies that are like my favorites or the movies that I should share with people or if people are looking for classics that these are the movies you should be watching or you should watch. Uh Nightmare on Elm Street was the movie that did that to me that you're talking about. Oh, mess with you? Yeah, because the monster in that in that story is you know, he haunts you while you sleep. Right? How are you not to, how are you not supposed to sleep? He's going to get you. He's going to get you. It's another inevitable one, right? Yeah, it's so fucking, and part of it is kind of like rooted in reality, right? So it's like, this is a monster that can only get you when you sleep and you can't avoid him because you have to fucking sleep, right? Yeah. And, and so that guy, I think my, my, um, one of our cousins introduced me to that monster and I could not sleep, dude. I don't know how many nights I spent fucking like. So, na- I got to get going. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. So then uh, let's kind of uh, run down the list real quick and then we'll call it quits. Yeah. All right. So the other deities, the other monsters that are kind of similar to uh, the woman in white or the La Llorona, uh, like I said, the grudge, the Kyako, the Saiki, the ring ghost, the Sarako. Uh, Yamamura ghost which is if you've gone and read that story it's a super complex story and you're yeah. like how does she like you there's like three acts to it I guess it's a like some kind of uh, some kind of play right yeah. but like you're you're wondering like okay there's a second act here and now there's a third act and there's like she's not a ghost yet like when does she become this murderous scary ghost so uh, but that's the folktale so eventually anyway there's that, uh, there's the Banshees, which is, a, I believe, uh, either Irish or Scottish. Uh, and they're similar in the fact that they're kind of like these white women monster things, but they scream real loud. Yeah. And they and uh, La Llorona has that kind of Banshee kind of piece to her. Well, there's a part where she like calls out, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah, the storytelling. yeah, there's wailing. Uh, the Koenig... I don't know if I'm saying that. And then there's like the sirens. So she's <laughs> there's all these pieces of her, the 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 screaming, the crying, the 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 appearance. She's a woman always, she, right? Yeah. So yeah, well, usually there's El Llorón, but we don't care about that guy. But El Llorón isn't it's not yeah. Really. So um I think uh if you want to like kind of go check out, I really highly, you know, for our listeners, I highly recommend the Mexican ghost tales of the Southwest. Uh, it's, it's uh, by Alfred Avila. Uh, those are the stories that I read when I was a younger Otra vez and the stories I told, you know, cousin Pete here or my, you know, brother Pete and uh, Mexican folk tales is another one that has a, a bunch of kind of um stories that you will really kind of like and i actually kind of really love the grudge if you haven't seen the grudge or the ring go see those movies and the crystal la llorona for a real kind of dive into what uh, a good la llorona story or movie is because that one i think is is a genuinely good scary movie uh quite a bit of jump scares but it kind of keeps a lot of the elements together so um and then and then when you want a weird feminist like remaking and undoing of it check out gloria anzaldua's children's book 
<laughs> and La Llorona. That's yeah. a, a good one. It's a good one. I do. Th- I, I think it's really clever for those of you who are like into that, like kind of just like undoing of this tale in that way. Check that one out. It's actually, it's worth the, however much money it's going to be on Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Books are so expensive. I, I, I did see that in, in the, in my search and I actually kind of overlooked it only because I had bought that, that book for my daughter a long time ago. So anyway, all right. Well, uh, anything else you want to add there, brother Pete? No. All right. So, uh, thanks so much for coming on. It was, it was great having you on. I, I don't know how long I've been begging you to come on. We, I really, hopefully you would want to do I don't know more. why I'm not like, I don't know. I, mean, I don't know. What? Well, no, you, I, don't, I don't, I mean, I don't know why, what I have to offer. But fine. I think, I think you offer plenty, man. I think it's awesome. Like that you, you came on and you know, you, that there's anyway, we'll, we'll, we'll talk some other time, but yeah. hopefully I can get you to come back. We'll see. Okay. Um, <laughs> all right, man. Fine. Anyway, <laughs> uh, this is Edgar Traves with my brother, Pete. Uh, thank you so much for listening and we'll catch you next time. Music, Numbers by Jay Varden, Idle Grin, also by Jay Varden, El Dia de los Muertos by DJ Dance the Rooster, Faceless and Isolation, both by Farrell Wooten, and Everyday Hustle by Matt Large, can be found over at Epidemic Sound. All right, guys, I hope you like this one. I really wanted to treat this one uh, special because this story is... uh, story I, I really kind of enjoy i hope you like my telling of it thanks brother pete for coming on uh i hope you can come on again soon and i hope you guys really enjoyed this one and you know if there's a lesson to take away from this one it's just uh as as brother pete explained the moral of the story is the sins of one man are paid for by pretty much everybody else so uh, watch what you do all right i'll get off my soapbox Thanks so much for listening. If you want to support the podcast, head on over to shop.theflowrowpodcast.com. Again, that's shop.theflowrowpodcast.com. All right, guys. Love you. Catch you next time. Laters, family. Laters, family.